0: we're We're super glad to be here this morning, excited for this text. This text for me is is like my bread and butter. What I mean by that is like it's a staple It, it is like this this is what gets me excited and, and to to be able to jump into this text um, i'm I'm thankful to be back with you guys. We were out of town last week. I shared with you uh, a few weeks ago that our family was going to take some time to rest and and just uh reflect on my, my dad's passing away. And so we were gonna be slowing down for a few weeks. And so week one, we spent some time as, as a family and just connected with each other and uh, just enjoyed uh, time together. And then last week, we already had a trip planned. Um, my in-laws are, are super in the fact that they, every year, take our kids. Uh, they live sometime of the year here as well as sometime of the year in Texas. And uh, they take our kids for three, four weeks and just uh, take them to Texas with them. And they get to see friends and, and have fun there. And that gives Amber and I time to, to be together and, and hang out. And so last week, we had a trip planned uh, to Nashville. And it sounds awesome. We were going to go to a concert in Nashville. And so uh, all last year during COVID, I know we're a little bit late to the party, but Drew and Ellie Holcomb, uh, just we became fans And uh, they did regular date nights throughout COVID and uh, where they were kind of leading via online from their home. And so we had these date nights during COVID. And then right at Christmas time this year, they posted that they were gonna be doing this concert. It was their first concert back, you know, past, uh, you know, now that some of the COVID restrictions have kind of eased up. And it's gonna be held in Nashville at the Ryman Auditorium. This is gonna be awesome. The home of the Grand Ole Opry. We're gonna do that and it's on Valentine's Day. So good, right? And so we buy tickets, we buy plane tickets, we go, we travel, we get a hotel and we get there and it is like the snow apocalypse. All right? Now, I I know that you guys look in the last few days here, and you're like, hey, we've gotten snow. And you look in Nashville, and it's like, they got two inches. I don't understand. I I get it. But you have to understand the humidity creates a block of ice. So every parking lot is just like an ice rink. And so the entire city shut down. So we get there. Now, if if you, I, I kind of need to take you on this journey with me and as a way of setting this up this morning, okay? So my way of packing is last minute, either... Like right before we leave in the morning or the night before, I take a bunch of clothes, and it doesn't really matter what it is, but it's a lot. I take three times as much as I need to because I don't know which shoes I'm going to wear and and what shirt I'm going to wear and what I'm going to... So I just take a bunch and I just throw it in a bag. Now, here's, here's what I didn't do. I didn't think through what like the weather was going to be. And so I didn't bring appropriate clothing to get. So we get there, it's snowy, it's messy, it's raining. We don't have have any of the clothes, proper attire for this event. We go to our rental car. It's the only rental car that's there. And it looks like it's been taken through a demolition derby. All right? It's trashed, but it's the only car. So we, we take it and, and we grab it. Now, everything in the city is, is starting to shut down, but also everything has COVID restrictions. So if you want to go to the Country Music Hall of Fame or you want to go to this wine tasting or you want to go, all of them are very limited seating because of COVID. And so they're all full. I didn't plan ahead. And so we're kind of just sitting there, and we're like, well, the saving grace is we have this concert Sunday night, so we'll, we'll wait. And on Sunday afternoon, they announce because of the weather, they're canceling the concert. And so the concert's canceled. Well, now I'm like, well, now we got to get out of here. We got to figure out how to get back. And so our flight was canceled Monday. Our flight was canceled Tuesday. Our flight was canceled Wednesday. And I'm like, how in the world are we going to get out of Nashville? And so we we start rearranging. We start working out rental car relations, and and all the time I'm on the phone. I spend probably half the trip just on the phone with different operators. And the whole time I'm having to remember this: I'm a pastor. (laughs) I need to be on my best behavior. When, when I'm on the phone with, I, I, I have to remember it's not their fault. Like, they didn't cause the weather. You know, they, they, they're not the ones who. And, and I'm just constantly at this place of, of going, okay, remember you're a pastor. Now, above and beyond that, I, I'm a Christian. And, and I have to remember that, that there's a, a sense of I have to remember my identity. A few weeks ago, I, w- I was filling out some paperwork for Ecclesia. Now, funny enough, the, the one discrepancy that ended up keep that, that just continued recurring over and over again was this, this line that said title. Now, I had to fill out this form four times. When I say fill it out, I, I filled it out and then I, w- I would go to the UPS store and I'd have to fax this form in and the form would go in and they would call me and they'd say, the form's incorrect. And they would call me back and I'd fix the form. And then I'd go back to the UPS store and I would send the form in again. Now, I was getting really frustrated. But it was all over the line where it said title and it said pastor, Ecclesia Church. And they were, they were, there were so many questions. And I wanted to be so frustrated, but I kept thinking we're, I can't lose my cool because we're arguing over the fact that it says pastor at Ecclesia, And I don't want a bad Google review from the operator at this business. And so I'm like constantly having to remember. Here's what Peter is saying. Here's why I set all this up. Peter gives us these descriptors that Greg so, so kindly set me up for last week. We're given these descriptors of who we are that we are to remember because we are representatives, we are ambassadors because we are proclaiming the glory of God with our mouth, with our lips, And with our life. And and so we are constantly in in this, this, this place where we have to be attentive to, are we causing people, are we pointing people to the glory of God with our lips and with our life? And that's what this text is all about. That's what Peter is going to get into in this Text. And, and what, I, what I love about this is all of this identity language, chosen race, royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, the, this language, all of these descriptors, all these types, they're so rich. And he gives us all of this, and this is the power of the gospel. And so, if if I could sum up what we've been talking about the last two weeks. Last week, we talked about the power of the gospel, what the gospel creates. And this week, we're going to talk about the purpose of the gospel. What do we do with it? The fact that we are this chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, a people for God's own possession, what do we do in light of that? And so, all last week was about this identity, and it keeps going back. If you're like, man, we have been talking about identity over and over and over again. Look, we are constantly having to be formed and reminded of our identity over and over and over again because we're forgetful people. We have amnesia. We forget who we are. And if we forget who we are, then... We go into the rental car place and we throw a fit and we're like, but I'm an ambassador of Christ. I'm to point people to the glory of God. My behavior matters. I'm to live in an honorable way that points people to the glory, the goodness of Jesus. It matters. The way I live matters. And so I want to jump back real quickly and talk about some of the, the, the power of the gospel in this language because you're a chosen race. You've been given a new identity. You've been chosen by the Father. You're a, a royal priesthood. Royalty. How do, how do you become a part of royalty like you're you're grafted into the family like you're 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 married into the family but here we see we see that God has adopted us into a royal family you're a priesthood you have access to God the father we're a holy nation we're a set apart people we're a people for God's own possession This is the the purpose, the, the, the power of the gospel that in all of these things that he adopts us, he transforms us, we're given a new identity. He gives us a power to live a life that we were incapable of living. The gospel transforms us. The gospel allows us to live a sacrificial life that Greg talked about last week. It gives us a new identity, a new nature. It gives us a new life. This is all the power, But the purpose in all of this, the purpose in all of this transformation, the purpose in all of this new life is to proclaim and point to the glory of God with our lips and with our life. And so, what we're going to talk about this morning, three points, how do we live out our purpose of the gospel? How do we live out? The first thing is, we proclaim it. We proclaim it. In verse 9, it says that you may proclaim. This is the whole purpose right here. Why are we a holy nation? Why are we a chosen race? Why are we a ro- royal priesthood? Why, why? What is the purpose? That we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Now, in a, in a place where Christianity is under attack, in a place where persecution is, is, is coming at Christians, suffering is coming at Christians, it's going to move people to more privatization of faith, that we're going to become very silent about faith and private about our faith. And what's interesting, I love this, because we have to remember, if we go back to our introduction, this is Peter who's talking to us. Peter knows what it's like to privatize his faith. When, when, when someone came to Peter upon seeing Jesus crucified, they come to Peter and they, they say, Aren't you one of Christ's followers? And he's like, no, no, like he's backing off. He's not this person who's out front and bold. And that's what I see. The the power of the gospel transformed him to a place of of great boldness to proclaim his faith, but also not to be private about his faith, that he would be bold about his faith, that he would share the, the good news of Jesus with everyone. And I think our tendency as Christianity becomes more heavily criticized in our culture, is to go underground with our faith. That, that we, we go to, to a more private place with our faith. And here's the thing sharing of our faith, evangelism, sharing the good news of Jesus with people, it's not optional in the Bible. It's it's a part of the very nature of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, that you would share him with others. There are people in your families, in your communities, in your workplaces that have no idea that they can be a part of a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a people who've been set apart, a people who belong to God. And we have this good news, why would we keep it? Why would we not share that with everyone? If we go on a good trip, which last week, it was a good trip, even though we didn't get to do anything, we had fun. We hung out in the hotel. We watched HGTV for like endless over and over and over again. And then we came home and we did like three days of projects on our house. That's how it works. We had fun. And when we come home, we were like, hey, let me tell you about my trip. We go and we have a great meal. What do we do? We're like, let me tell you about the steak that I had. We post it all on social media. Why? Because we are evangelists when it comes to everything else in the world. We share the good news. So the the good news, what has happened to you, what what has been done to you, in you, that you go, it's so good that you share with others where we don't necessarily always share about Jesus, We're to proclaim the excellencies, the the goodness of Jesus. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 5, talking about hiding your faith. He said, you are the light of the world. I love this. Because a light is, is placed in a place to illuminate, to, to, to give hope, to, to, to give significance, to show the way. It says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Why? That would be silly, right? To light something and then to cover it? many of you, like you love to sleep in absolute darkness. Like if there's an alarm clock or there's something that has a little, like I I want everything extremely, extremely dark. So we have a outside of our bedroom is like an office and sometimes the printer light comes on. And so I, I take a blanket and I set it over the printer every night. All right. Why? Now, now, obviously, like, it's not useful anymore. The printer's not useful. It's covered up. It's, it has something over it. It's like, Christianity is not useful if you have been given this light of Jesus and you put a basket over it. How often, sometimes, does the church become our basket? This building become our basket? In the sense of, we come in here and we're bold and we let our light shine, but we only allow it to shine in this room, and it is a basket that keeps our light from illuminating the world. We're to proclaim. Maybe you're here, and you're like, well, what do I proclaim? Well, I love how this text goes on, because you're like, yeah, okay, so we're, we're called to proclaim. What do we proclaim? Well, he goes on in this text and says, Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. He's saying, you have a story of transformation. You've been given something that you didn't have. You've become part of something that you were not part of. And that's all you got to do. That's all I got to do. That's all you got to do. I, I remember, I've shared this story before and it's like, I, I, I'm like, hey, I want to have new stories, but this is probably the clearest example. Um, several years ago, we we were, uh, there, w- there was a gym near our house that we would go to and we would frequent. And I, literally, the Lord just compelled me like, as you go to the gym today, you're my ambassador. You're my like sent person. You're my missionary. I'm sending you there to be a royal priesthood to go. And so I'm like, I'm just going to work out. And, and it just really put on my heart a burden to share my faith. And he gave me a picture of someone. And that literally, this, this only happened one time, but he gave me a picture of someone that the Lord wanted me to share, share with, share the good news of Jesus. And so I'm driving there. I didn't even know the guy's name. And I walk in and I walk in. It's CrossFit Gym. I walk into this CrossFit Gym and there's a guy on the rower there. And, and I said, And that's the guy. The, the, the Lord gave me this guy. And I'm like, Okay, Lord, I'm here. Like, what do you want me to do? And, and the guy's like, Hey, my name's so and so. He introduced himself. And I was like, Hey, my name's Justin. I said, What do, what do you do? And He's like, I'm a a dentist in the area. What do you do? And I said, well, I'm a a pastor. He's like, oh, really? How did you become a pastor? And I was like, well, when I was 18 years old, Jesus changed my life. And here we go. It's a story of transformation. All of you, if you've come to know Jesus, as it talks about in verse 4, as you come to me, as people who've come to Jesus, there, there has been a story of transformation, a story of who you were, of what you've received, of what you've been given. And we just share that. And I think about every day when we jump back up to verse 4 in chapter 2, it says, as you come to him. Every day we come to him and we're asking him to remind us of that mercy that has been given to us, of that adoption into that family that has been given to us. And every day as we're reminded, we ask the Lord, Lord, who do you want me to share this with today? Every day is an opportunity to proclaim the excellencies of this good news of Jesus Christ. And this is, uh, when I talk about this is what excites me, this is why we moved here. If I'm very honest, like, I, I wanted and, and I desire to see myself more as a missionary in this city than, than a pastor, I I desired and longed to be out rubbing shoulders with the majority of people across our city, not necessarily just standing on a stage and a platform and teaching to the church, although I love the church, and the church is valued, as Greg talked about last week. And when I read this text of this royal, it's written to a family, and I'm thankful for this family. But the Lord put in me and burned in me a passion when I was in Wichita Falls, Texas six years ago to come here and to proclaim the good news of Jesus. He gave me a vision of gospel saturation, that the the valley would be saturated with the good news of Jesus. And that doesn't happen because a pastor stood on a stage in a church on Foothill and, and just taught every Sunday. It it happens because we go out into the city and we proclaim. We proclaim. So what's the big challenge? I want you tomorrow morning to wake up and go, who can I share with today? And trust that the Lord will give you the words and language to speak I think back to Moses when God was calling Moses out to to be faithful, to go before Pharaoh and to proclaim. In Mero, Mero, Pharaoh, Moses, in Pharaoh, Mero, got it? Okay. Moses, let me go there. Moses had all these excuses of why he couldn't go to Pharaoh, and one of them, and I always put it in a Texas accent, because that's how I, like, when I think of not speaking English really good, <laughs> like, it's in my Texas accent. And so, it's like, I, I picture Moses looking at the Lord and saying, Lord, I don't speak real good. And he says, who made your mouth? I, I will speak for you. I will. And in as we go, as we go to proclaim the excellencies, trust that the Lord, and, and I pray that it will grow your faith that as you go and you proclaim that you see the Lord speaking to you and reminding you of, the, of his mercies that has been poured out, this, this transformation that's happened in your own life and that you would share your story with others. So you don't need a course on evangelism. Although I don't, that wouldn't be unhelpful. I'm just saying you're you're fully equipped already. You're fully equipped to be able to share of it, of his good news with people. I think about John chapter 4, where Jesus came and he sat at the woman at the with the woman at the well. And he had this conversation with her at the well there and and she becomes convicted of, of her sin and, and she comes conv- becomes convinced of who Jesus is and it says that she left that place and she went into the city and the whole city believed because of her testimony. This is a woman who just came face to face with Jesus and she's powerful evangelist, proclaimer of the good news of Jesus. That's what I'm saying is, is many of you have been in church for years and you've never shared your faith. Many of you have been given a good gift of mercy and grace and relationship with God the Father and you've kept it to yourself. You've hidden it under a basket. What Peter is going to tell us is in exile, we have to be proclaimers. We have to use our mouth. We have to speak it. Now this next part that I'm gonna get into because I, I feel like the next part is, is easier in some sense and harder in, in, in some ways. Because it it's not as bold, it's not as upfront. To proclaim something is bold. To stand before someone and, and share this truth, it seems narrow-minded. To share that Jesus is the only way. It seems narrow, it seems challenging to share with someone that they need to step away from their sin and and ask God for forgiveness and move and come to God the Father and and come into relationship. It it communicates a sense of their need. But it's the most loving thing we could possibly do than to allow someone to journey through this life just trying to be friendly towards them and allowing them to die and go to hell. Listen, every single person, and this compels me, 98% of the people that you walk into your workplace, that you walk into the grocery store, upon dying, they will spend eternity in hell. 98% of people in Utah will die and go to hell. And there's no second chance. We have to proclaim. If we love people, if we love our city, if we love our neighbors, if we love our coworkers, if we love our family members, then we must proclaim the good news of Jesus. It's the greatest news ever. Why would we not? But not only does he say that we must proclaim, he also tells us that there's things that we need to abstain from. As this text goes on, it says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of your flesh which wage war against your your soul. So there are some things that that to, to live in this world, we need to abstain from acting on the desires of the flesh. We need to be careful to take on what the world is doing, acting, the behavior of the world. And this is some of that where we kind of get this, this, this picture of like the Christian huddle. That we don't want to resemble anything like the world. And, and, and so we, we kind of just remove ourselves from the world. And so I love because we kind of got this tension. He's like, we're to be proclaimers, but we need to be careful as we proclaim the good news that we don't become like the world. We live in the world, but not be of the world. And so we need to proclaim the good news to the world, but don't become like the world. And so I want you to hear me say that, that there, he's, he gives us two reasons of, uh, and two ways in which how to abstain. One, it's remembering where you live, where you, like, where you're from. He calls them sojourners and exiles. Let me give you this example. He's like, abstain from these passions. Why? Because this isn't where you live. This isn't your home. Here's the illustration. Last week, I was in Nashville, Tennessee. If you walk the streets of Nashville, Tennessee, you know what you find? You find the most awesome Western wear in the world, all right? When I talk about, like, the frilly shirts, you know, like all sorts of awesome snakeskin boots, right? Now, when you're walking in Nashville, this looks really cool. I'm like, check out his boots. And then we walk in the store, and I'm like, I should totally get some of these. And you know what my wife says? That will look ridiculous in Utah. (laughs) Why? Because this isn't your home. You don't live in Nashville, Tennessee. You can't wear this. You, You don't see anyone walking the streets in Salt Lake City, Utah, wearing those boots—if you do, you're very eccentric. I love it. All right. And, and so I, I, I look at this, and, and like this is what Peter is saying. Peter's like, abstain from putting these things on your life, because this isn't where you're from. Don't take on these these things, but. Not only that, but he says there are things waging war against your soul. There are things that we need to abstain from because these things have great impact on our soul. There is a war going on to destroy your soul, to destroy your life, and we can't be passive. We must fight. Acts 29, a network of churches that we're a part of. One of the things that we're all about, we're all about the gospel. And one of the, the, the amazing things that we love to highlight about the gospel is the fact that, that God offers grace. And so it's all about grace, it's all about grace. And we don't honestly think about holy living and righteousness. We don't honestly think so much about things waging war against our soul and protecting our life and putting to death the things of the flesh and fighting against things that would lead to impurity, because we're, we're all about the gospel, and, and I want you to hear me say, it's like, I don't want us to become so focused on grace and the gospel that we, we miss out on the fact that it, 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 it's a calling to be pure and holy and a calling to live righteous lives. Colossians 3, 5 through 10 says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you once walked when you were living in them, but you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self. And so, there is a picture of literally taking these things off. And I I want you to see that because we're proclaiming the good news. There's things that we're taking off and there's things we're going to put on. When we're thinking about living in exile, there's things that we need to make sure that we're not putting on, that we're not taking on, that we're not clothing ourselves with the things of the world. And there's things that we do need to clothe ourselves with. But here he gives us this list of of all of these things that are waging war against your soul. And it says, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices, you've put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. What knowledge? Well, I'll take you back. 1 Peter 1, chapter 14, it says, you lived in your ignorance in your previous life. There were things that you didn't know now we know things. What do we know? We know who God is. We know the significance of God. We know the value of God. And because of that, that changes us. We don't want to take on these things of our life because we want to give our lives to the Lord. Our lives are a sacrifice to Him. And so we have to put to death things. Of the flesh. We need to abstain from these things. But he goes on, not only do we need to abstain from things, but there's some things that we need to retain. And that's where verse 12 starts. It says, Keep. There's things that we keep. This literally means wear these things, put them on. Wear your conduct among the Gentiles. May it be honorable. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, which they will, People will speak against you. You're not living this way so people won't speak against you. That's key. There's going to be animosity as you live out your Christian faith on this earth. But they cannot help but acknowledge and see your good deeds and that it would point them to God, glorify God on the day of His visitation. So, We proclaim the good news. We abstain. We we seek to remember where our home is. We seek to remember that we do not wear the clothes of Nashville because we live in Utah, and we don't wear the clothes of the the city of man because we're a part of the city of God. We're given this this language of identity, but we're also to keep, to retain, that we're to, to wear something. And I would encourage you, Ephesians chapter 6, the, the armor of God. I think we, you have it here on the screen, 10 through 18. I'll read it. These are the things that we're to put on. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, which the devil is the one who's waging war against your soul. So if we're going to keep our conduct, these are the things that we have to put on. Next Verse. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against each other here, but we wrestle against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Next, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Is that it? That's it. These are the things that we're to to put on. These are things that literally every single morning we need to think about putting on the armor of God. To abstain and retain these things that that God has called us to. They will accuse us of wrongdoing. But the question is, and this is the key question, at the end of the day, by what you proclaim with your lips and with your life, do our lives direct people's attention to the glory of God? That's what Peter hits that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Your life in word and deed gives a testimony to who Jesus is. Alexander McLaren, who is a Scottish preacher, says this, the world takes its notions of God most of all from the people who say that they belong to God's family. That's us. They, they take their, their notions of God from us. They read us a great deal more than they read the Bible. They see us. They only hear about Jesus Christ. It's our lives. Our, our lives give testimony to who Jesus is. And so the question that I want you to reflect on, do your lives direct people's attention to the glory of God. It's all about the glory of God. Our our lives are to be a signpost pointing people to the glory of God. The most loving thing you can do this week is to point people to the glory of God. Through your life, through through your words, through your proclamation, through your demonstration of the gospel, that everything you do this week would point people to the glory of God. The Westminster Catechism says, what is the chief purpose of man? To enjoy God, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. To glorify God, that's the chief purpose. If that is the chief purpose of man then the most loving thing you can do is help people discover their purpose in life is to glorify Him. Church, listen. This week, we have an amazing opportunity. Every day this week, every moment this week, we have an amazing opportunity to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus Christ. My hope My prayer for you is that you would be faithful to do so with both your lips and with your life. Let's pray. Father, may in the next few moments as as we reflect and as we respond and as we just take a moment to settle in and be reminded of the mercy that once wasn't ours, but now is ours. And where we once weren't yours, now we are yours. There's been a transformation that's taken place, and Lord, that's our story. Lord, would you give us opportunities this week? Would you allow our eyes to be open to, to see people as you see them, to see people as Helpless, as harassed like sheep without a shepherd, that we would look with eyes of Jesus upon our city and see people who need to, to know that they can be a part of this great family, that you can transform, that you can change our lives, that you can give us a, a renewed purpose, a new identity, a new life. Lord, would you help us to be proclaimers of your good news this week? Lord, would you help us to to identify people that, of peace that you want us to go and share with. Lord, may we not hide our faith under a basket, but we would put it on a hill to shine brightly, to illuminate a city. May we saturate the valley with the good news of Jesus. Today, this week, and for the rest of our lives. Amen.